Hello and welcome back to another episode of Turt. I am Jack Ramies. I am here with Spectre General 66. Or as we like to call him, Darren. Yep. And Darren is our master uh, head cannoner that started all this crazy stuff with me a year like, and a half ago. Yeah, about a year and a half ago. Last episode we talked more about uh, Tiki Toby and the Bloodlines. Mm-hmm. And um, the reason we have you here again is because this was your baby. Um, you and me discussed this online for hours and hours. Oh, yeah. Three o'clock in the morning and in diners. <laughs> for many, many nights. Um, this is when we were working at the mansion together, wasn't it? Yes, it was. We work at a haunted mansion in, uh, during the Halloween season, mm-hmm. a local haunted mansion, and scare kids. And then we go to diners in our makeup. Well, you go to diners in your makeup. <laughs> in our makeup. Uh, everything with Brian and the strategist mm-hmm. is what we talked. We were right, talking right. on. So uh, Brian and the strategist, you went into this whole thing about uh, him being pretty strategic and manipulative. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now we're going to go into Brian, uh, being the strategist that he is, how Slenderman observed him. You right. continue with that? Um, yeah, so I think at the last point we left off saying that, you know, how he's the one that sort of guides everyone, uh, that goes through the Marble Hornet story, minus Alex, because he does his own thing. But, um, I mean, even on that side, he kind of does. He does manipulate both sides pretty well. Um, so my basic thought was... As much as Slenderman is targeting Tim and seeing Brian and to the arc as an annoyance, um, also sees that, hey, you're kind of useful. And I've got this thing coming up, this little project I've been working on. It's kind of called War. Um, I might need one of you guys, one of those tactician-type people on my side. So our thought was basically that he saw what Brian could do and went, mm, you're important to Tim and I could use you, so come here. Yeah, the fact that he was close to Tim and the whole influence, because I think we talked about that with... Um, well, well, similar thing like to do with Lyra and Toby. Toby. Yeah. It was Lyra and Toby, and it was... Uh, what did we just talk about that had uh, people similar that got caught up in... Oh, the, the killer trio. Yeah, the... Um, so, Jeffrey versus... Woods and... Uh, the Woods brothers and Jane, uh, mm-hmm. Arkansas, which... Again, I'm going to bring this up real quick uh, as I deviate from our actual discussion. In episode four, we changed Jane's name from Arkansas to Abbott. And the reason we did this is because... It's easier to pronounce. Well, it's easier to pronounce. And the day that we had to record, Range Death and Ferret Roulette got that script an hour before we recorded. Because I am the best director. And I was not going to have them pronounce... Jane Arkansas. No, we changed it to Jane Abbott because that sounds like a better name. It is, and it's a nice name. Yes, so fight me. I don't care. So In our ch- canon, it's Jane Abbott. Yeah, so... End of story. Yeah, Monsters of the Lore. I mean, God, Jeffrey, uh, Baptism on Fire went over the list of Jeff's names and how he's called. Yeah, no, he's so, got so many names. It's kind of like, you know, spin the wheel and pick which one you want to use today. So we have Jeffrey Woods, the runaway proxy in ours, mm-hmm. with his brother chasing after him who hooked up with Jane Abbott, Yep, who made the deal with Slenderman. And the reason that Jane made the deal with Slenderman was... Uh, for power. For power, mm-hmm. to get back at Jeff for killing... Her family. The only reason she was able to get tapped is because she was their neighbor and she was close to the Which influence thought, of Slenderman. That makes me wonder whether Jane has like a time limit on how long she Ooh. can keep hunting. That Future ideas. Mm. We're gonna, we're gonna, I'm gonna write that down. Jane time limit. Because I'm sure Slenderman is only so patient with the people that he decides to lend power to. I, I want, like that must have been an interesting conversation because on her end it's give me the power to destroy this young boy and on his power it was like... You're my bounty hunter. 
Yeah. And you have like, like a week. And also, bring since, me back my since proxy. Jeff is like the runaway proxy. Yeah. yeah. Bring me back my proxy. Um, because I have all this other stuff I have to deal with. Anyways, back on target. Brian! Yep, Brian. Um, so, again, anyone who's seen Marble Hornets knows that the arc that Brian goes on and how he ends up dying, basically. Um, which is super sad. And, again, you could make that argument that not only did Slenderman want him as his tactician, but this was also someone that was very, very close to Tim, just like Lyra was to Toby. So, having Tim find his best friend dead and knowing that he was the cause of it would have been the best way to tip Tim over the edge. Yeah. As well as, you know, Jay being the icing on the cake there. there there's too many, like, let me salt bay here. There's yeah. too many, like, sprinkles on the why I'm going to take Brian's soul cake. Pretty much. And that had to be, like, something instant. Because as we said, if they die instantly, because he fell from pretty high and just was, like, mm-hmm. dead. Uh, like, Lyra was crushed. So it was, like, not even a death thing. It was, Lyra was dead beyond, like, repair. Yeah, the she soul was, was already flying away. Yeah, like, that 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 girl was crushed. Mm-hmm. Brian just fell, so he would have been inflated. Because uh, when you fall and you hit something, you're kind of just inflated. Like, it's, yeah. The injuries of Brian versus Lyra, Lyra was more severely injured, so Brian was easier, like... So, you know, if Slenderman took a little bit more time to be, like, that person. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty sure it was like, oh, this whole chase is going to happen. One of them's going to die. I'm going to be close. <laughs> so It's a game. Roulette. Who before, dies? Who lives? Before someone brings up, like, but Brian was dead for a while. And no, he wasn't. We, we, why could Lyra still? Because Lyra was gone. You sound like a basement nerd from Nostalgia Critic right now. Oh, my God. All right. So, uh, so Brian... Um, is when he becomes a proxy, it's just gone. Yeah. He is soulless. He is just gone. He's just a shell. Uh, we do have that he has, like, these little, like, familiar things that try and, like, be human. Like, yeah. Like, he's always kind of, like, next to Tim because because he has that feeling of familiarity mm-hmm. with Tim. Which you could even sort of argue is possibly almost, like, body muscle memory. Like zombies at the mall. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, in Day of the Dead, uh, for all you youngins that haven't seen that movie, they say, like, why do all the zombies go to the mall? Familiarity. Yep. So it's the same thing of why is Brian always next to Tim? Familiarity. Familiarity. Um, So that's why, like, in episode two, we had that super sad hand grab thing. Oh, it was so sad. Um, So there was that. And uh, so, yeah, so now Tim wakes up and sees Brian. Dead-eyed, soulless Brian. Just like, poke, poke. Oh, that'd be a sad thing to film, too. Can you imagine that? Like, just literally jumping up and being like, oh my god, Brian, this truly must be, like, you know, the afterlife. We're all good and fine, and wait, nope, the faceless thing is still there. Even sadder, Tim waking up and realizing the mask is on his face and he can't get it off. Because I think that was one of our things and his his tortures is that he can't take the mask off. And if he tried to pull the hood off of Brian, too, and that wouldn't come off either. Oh, God! The feels! Like, could you imagine? Oh, my God. It's like a wax, house of wax. Oh, my God. trying to, like, peel the wax off the guy and it's just, like, flat, or it's just, like, uh, muscle underneath it Mm -hmm. and blood and stuff. And she's, like, skinning the guy by accident. More uh, horror movie stuff for you guys. Yeah, make a list. Go watch these horror movies. They're good. Well, House of Wax is fun. Paris Hilton is in it. Fun. Paris Hilton's in it. Jared Padalecki. It's fun. It's It's a fun movie. Yeah, people get their fingers cut off. I like the end where everything's just melting. Yep. Um, So then we have so we have now the Rogers family bloodline, which was Frank Talia to Toby. Mm -hmm. The Wright family line, which we don't. Troy never really goes into Tim's family, but just says that he's haunted. 
since a young age. So he could very possibly had a, um, a dad or a mom uh, from the bloodlines. And because he was haunted from a young age, I'm pretty sure Slenderman moved from the parent to, like, chose him at a young age. This is going to be right. my vessel. I mean, and it's highly possible because, like you say, they don't really discuss Tim's family. Yeah. And the earliest you hear about him is that he's in a psych ward. So it's entirely possible that, like, his parents are just gone. Yeah. Like, they have been gone for a very long time, and Tim has nobody. So, uh, we have... Other than Brian. Oh, he does say that, too. <laughs> yeah, he does. So, it's Brian's actually... only real friend. It's very, very possible that Tim doesn't even have a family anymore, or if he did, they just aren't there. So, um... Brian have... is not part of the bloodline, but was affected because of Tim. Exactly, because it was right next to... And just, uh, the operator being like, yes, this is a good thing. Exactly. So we have the right line, and then we have the Cre- We wanted to talk about Alex Crayley because right. a lot of people are like, "Oh, well, Crayley was the proxy, or he was working against him, and all this other stuff." Uh, it's confu- I don't remember what Nightmind said about I, that. I, I don't remember either. I know it's very vague because it seems like a lot of the time Alex is working for himself, and other times it seems like what he's doing is falling into line with what the operator wants him to do. Yeah. So. It's a little vague. It's it's entirely possible that what he, that he thinks what he's doing is good, but is actually just playing into the noodly arms of the operator. And so you can argue that the Crayley, it, the Crayleys are another bloodline that are right. close to uh, the rights, and because there's two proxy families in close vicinity, that one of them's got to come out on top. Exactly, because because Alex does blame Tim yeah. in the series. He does say, you brought this on us. You're the reason it's infecting all of us. Yeah. Because you lied. We all have to suffer. Yeah. Um, but that's not necessarily true. Right. It could be. And you also see footage of Alex's childhood in Marble Hornets. It never quite explains why that's a thing. It just shows it. And it shows him with his family as a young child. So... It could very easily be that he was part of one of the bloodlines and just didn't, either didn't want to believe it or didn't know about the bloodline thing because his family never talked about it at dinner or whatever. Um, and so his easiest scapegoat was Tim, which is why he hunts Tim throughout the entire series. Because Tim was the other proxy, and you could have mm-hmm. had that, like, he was the one drawing the crap pictures. Right, and again... Slenderman, Dudeman's macaroni drawings. You could even argue that, you know, that was him playing into Slenderman's plan, because Slenderman wanted Tim dead so he could use him as a vessel. So exactly. So if, if Alex killed Tim, hey, that works out. Yeah. So it's a, again, it's a win-win situation for, uh, the operator, and, um... But also, clearly, Alex wasn't useful as a proxy, because he doesn't become one. You know, he, he's not at all. And, he, I mean, he, he screws up so much in Marble Hornets. Oh, God. Does, does he ever? Stop firing guns, Alex! Yeah. <laughs> you broke his leg! Um, so... And it's interesting, because I know we're gonna get the question of, like, well, how do the bloodlines work? It could be... We haven't really gone into it. It could be probably, like, an ancient order. Yeah, it from could... From back in the day, Druids, It could be that. Like that. I know there's one Slenderverse series that talks about something during World War II. Is that, uh, is that Dark Harvest? No, or? that's Tribe 12. Dark Harvest okay. is the cult. And it's okay. the cult of... I mixed them up. Like, every five minutes. Like, I think I was talking to, um, Jeff... Uh, Jeff Koble of mm-hmm. Everyman Hybrid, and uh, when I was explaining like my thoughts on all the different 
Slender, the top three, or the big five Slenderverse things, because I think it's, like, the Feather one is in there. I haven't mm-hmm. watched it yet. But I was like, well, Marble Hornets is, like, feels like a real thing, and yeah. it's got, like, really deep characters. It feels like, again, it feels real. Like, that's if you want a good movie experience. Right. And Every Man Hybrid was the, if you want a good friendship flick, because it's got some deep friendship and oh, yeah. some unique monsters. And Tribe 12 was incredible editing, and, and very uh, rich lore. Yeah, very rich lore, incredible editing. And I was laughing, and he was, and it was like, uh, Dark Harvest was, I want to get drunk and hear the word, uh, hear the F word every two minutes. And what, uh, was it white kids in black t-shirts? No, white kids in black t-shirts is just every Slender series. Yeah, every series under Marvel Hornets. Um, but honestly, of all the lore in terms of like where Slenderman came from or like how he has these connections to these different people. Tribe Tribe 12s was honestly my favorite because particularly because it leads back to World War II and if you look through history there's a very strong um, indication and you know uh, and a lot of information on the fact that Hitler was into the occult. I was just about to bring that up. Mm -hmm. He was. Very very much so. Like deeply into the occult. I I, it it doesn't say I think I don't think Adam talks about it, or uh, Noah in the story uh, portrayed by Adam Rosner. I don't remember if they said that, because he went to his grandpa, grandpa Carl mm-hmm. to get the notebook, right. or the journal, and it it doesn't say if he was fighting for Germany, or if he was German fighting for America. It doesn't. Wasn't He was speaking German, though. He was thing, German, yeah. yeah. So I can't really remember, but that could just be me and not having watched Tribe 12 since we got drunk that one night. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he, which he knows about. I <laughs> Did it. you? Yeah. Oh my god. I was like, yeah, I get, I play uh, drunk, like drinking games. Every time someone yeah. asks me about, like, have you watched Try 12? And I'll like tag you and I'll tag Adam oh and I'll go the Nimbus and be like, it's my favorite drinking game. We should film the next drinking game that we do. So, um, going way back, uh, Try 12's lore, um, we kind of delved into a lot more when we had our own. We did a, a Habit fan tournament a while back and we did a lot with Tribe 12's lore with the, mm-hmm. um, the, administrator and his collective yep but as far as like the eldritch thing um we definitely went into it with ours as well Mm -hmm. that it was definitely like a monster from way back in the day yeah pretty much um and the bloodlines thing too that's actually tribe 12 because they have like their oh it goes down the bloodlines with cursor and all that well and that's why i say that like that's one of my favorite ones and particularly with the idea of um the characters in Marble Hornets, because as you know, it takes place in Alabama, um, which, and I'm sorry for everyone who lives in the South. I grew up in the South. I'm from Tennessee. I do know this, um, but a lot of neo-Nazis live in the South. It is a thing. Um, And a lot of, you know, people from, that are descended from Nazi members move to the South. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to offend anybody. I promise. I lived in the South, and I love the South. I love a lot of people there. There's actually a lot of German her- uh, people of German heritage that go to the Midwest, too. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, Toby's from Denver, Colorado. Right. So, so yeah, and we don't... We're gonna about to go into Katie right now. Uh, Kate Hay- Katie Hayes. Um, it, we've just looked it up, too. Um, Blue Island Studios, and... Um, they, they None of them... Or not Blue Island, Blue Island Productions. They don't really go into where... Uh, Slender the Arrival takes place. <laughs> there's a mine there, if that helps. So, I don't know. Like, half the time, it's uh, in a very wooded there, area. There are so many mining towns yeah. in America that it could be anywhere. anywhere. My, so, my guess would be northeast, because a lot of the mining towns were more in the northeast, but... District 12? <laughs> Maybe. <I don't> know. <laughs> 
So, uh, we're not sure where Kate's from. Yeah, we're, we're trying sure. to sort of pinpoint it, but there's not a whole lot of information to go on. I don't remember where the Woods Brothers are from either. Um, doesn't it say? It might. I mean, we could look it up, but uh, we'll make that edit later. We, we do actually do our homework. We just don't always remember our notes. Um, so we have Alabama, Denver, Colorado, and... Um, Question mark. T- Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Mm. I love that name, Tuscaloosa. So we have Katie Hayes and um, Kate the Chaser, uh, which was introduced in the video game Slender, The Arrival, which the Thackaboys sort of helped on they wrote a bunch of stuff and then i guess the studios went nope yeah or like two seconds of it or whatever and some of their ideas were in it but that one kind I mean, of they went, used quite a lot of their ideas they they went more hardcore on like the proxy thing mm-hmm. and like the theories of like masky and stuff like that because i know like watching the gamers play it people came out and they're like is that masky yeah. And I thought it was Jeff the first time I watched it. I was like, is that Jeff? I remember because we were watching it together and another, none of us could figure it out. And at one point we were like, are they wearing a luchador mask? Yeah. it was. It's really weird because in a lot of the high-res illusion things, it, it looks like leather rather than a plastic mask. We, yeah. we used a plastic mask. It was actually uh, a recycled, my first masky mask I had at Comic-Con yeah. two years ago. And then I just painted it for Kate. So Kate is, um, we had... The Slender the Arrival story placed way before Marvel Hornets. Right. Because we had Kate being his, like, uh, main person for the long, for, like, his first person. Mm-hmm. Uh, that he had. The so, experiment, as, yeah. as you said. I mean, if if he had um, the collective or if he had anything else. Because I think, we, oh, the collective, we said if it ever did exist in our series, it was the higher proxies. Yeah, they were like Kate the was, god proxies, basically. Yeah, because they, they they were the ones that you were sent to. They're in, like, god mode. Yeah. They're his, like, his apostles at the last dinner, and then you have, like, the people on Earth, like, Rufus, the 13th apostle. <laughs> They're the grunts. They do the dirty work. Yeah. So, um, we said that if Kate kept going the way she was going, she was going to turn to one of those god proxies. Yeah. Because that's, like, the next step is, like, you either going to continue on this husk of a human or become a god proxy. Because it's that thing that you basically, you have to almost willingly shed your humanity rather than just, like, fall into losing it. So, um, Katie had her mom die, and then her friend, the story is the protagonist, Lauren, or Lauren or Laura, go to her house to try and find their friend Katie. And Katie ran off with CR... And became a proxy, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And CR, like, tried to burn the two of them. And there's so many alternative endings now to the game. And so many more stories, which we just found out, that got added to it. Um, we that, just found out the Steam ending, like, ten yeah, minutes ago. That was really cool that they had, like, a new Steam ending and all this other stuff. So pretty much in our thing is that Katie, the way she was manipulated into becoming a proxy was that she was in a bloodline. Mm-hmm. And she was stuck in pretty much a never-ending game of Slender the Eight Pages. Yeah, which, we, which that if you think about it, is really horrible that he just had her in this like purgatory loop yep. of looking for paper. And we tried to like f- try to represent that really well in like the third, I think, yeah, episode three with Kate just running yeah. and grabbing the papers. And the first thing you see when she like go like it's uh, Chiropter X. Yeah, Chiropter X plays Kate, uh, Angel, and she like hits the tree right when it starts, and you can see the exhaustion in her mm-hmm. face. And I was like. Dude, when you do this, make sure you look exhausted. Like, this is your 80th time doing this run. Right. Like, you got... I remember those directions given to her, and she pulled it off so well when she hit that tree, and she's And didn't just like, she start yelling, like, no, I won. I yeah. won this time. Yeah, in episode three, she starts, like, screaming, like, no, it's over. I got them all. Like, she's just so exhausted at this point. Like, I swear I've been doing this for 80 goddamn years. I am done with it. Because like, then no that's more. the point. You don't win. You there don't, is no winning. You get the... And that's why, like, the shot of 
it goes back over the trees and you see all the pages back on the trees. Mm-hmm. That entire scene is explained with like, yeah, no, she has to do it again and again and again. And then she argues and then he's like, you know what, screw it, ending the thing. Which yeah. I know we I know we talked about the um, in terms of the dynamic between uh, the proxies, particularly Toby saying that Kate is basically feral and like an animal. Um, that makes me wonder whether, like, just in her head, she's continuously going through that loop. So her body <gasps> oh. is a puppet, essentially. And in her mind, she's just going through this loop of this page game. Oh, no. That's really sad. Mm-hmm. I like that. That's, like, even sadder. Yeah. Because it's just, like, yeah, she's completely feral. Mm-hmm. The light, like, we had Jess, who portrayed um, Kate in the proxy uh, segment in episode two. Right. Uh, like, kind of, like, hunch over near the log because there was like light and stuff and mm-hmm. it was interesting because we filmed that was like the one proxy scene that was filmed in the light all the other things with proxy and in the woods are actually we picked really good days yeah happy accidents like when we did the fight last week um it was a snowy like yeah. kind of cloudy day which is freezing again um why is she resist why does she shy away from light maybe light particularly in the eyes breaks the cycle in her head because it gives her something else to look at so yeah the flashlight thing she can't stand the the flashlights yeah like she hates that she'll run away from that and she's really feral um she's like the only like action we've actually seen her do like actively interacting with the others is when tim and toby are fighting Mm -hmm. and she comes after toby to hold him back but she you see her tackling like she does a lot of tackling like tim kind of does where she um when Toby is with Clocky and Slenderman finds out and he's just like, oh no, Knock you don't. that shit off. Yeah, and, and Katie goes to like drag him away from Clocky's body so Slenderman can just like throw her the hell out of the woods. Mm-hmm. Get out of my woods. Get away from my... Don't bitch, talk to me or my son ever again. Bitch, get out of my house. Um, so that was pretty much Katie's thing is that she becomes a... She's, she's the most far, far gone. She's the most feral. Uh, Brian is the next... Where he still has that familiarity sense with Tim. But he's just a husk, basically. Yeah. He has he has his mind in that he can still plan, but any sense of emotion or humanity is just completely eradicated. And uh, Tim is the human vessel, so he has to stay in the woods. And then Toby, poor Toby, is the most human out of all of them, can speak, is verbal, um, knows what's going on. He can talk back to Slenderman, he can talk back to the others. He, he does try to, like, we try to keep that point because... Uh, Wade O'Donovan, Castaway, did tell us that, like, he's an asshole. Mm-hmm. Like, straight up, he's a little, he's a little asshole. So we tried to keep that, we didn't want to erase that and make him, like, dull. Mm-hmm. So I did kind of keep that, and when I portrayed him with interacting, he's like, no, no, she's got a clock for an eye, I'm telling the truth, like, let me be annoying. Well, and it also makes sense, because I know, um, I'm sure a lot of you will remember, we've shown, uh, Tim and Toby fighting. Yeah. In several episodes, um, and... That's probably one of the biggest reasons why Tim fights with Toby a lot, because both of them are the ones who still retain most of their human yeah. uh, Imagine bits and pieces. being in hell, and the only person you have to talk to is Toby Rogers. Is a 17-year-old kid. Yeah. Who's obnoxious. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and to- Toby probably tries to pass the time with Tim and talk to him and stuff, and Tim wants nothing to do with it. He just wants to die and move on, and exactly. Toby's trying to make the best of his situation. Literally, when, like, the girl, like, when Clockwork comes into the woods and stuff, and he's just like, come on, talk to me, this is crazy, there's a girl in our woods, and he's just like, you're crazy, I'm trying to die Go here. Go away! Like, will you shut <laughs> I'm up? I'm trying to die here. Yeah, I'm trying um, to die here. But also, I mean, you think about it from Toby's perspective. He dies, ends up in this new situation. There's Kate, who's scary, basically. Mm-hmm. There's 
Brian, who never talks, and then there's Tim, the only one who actually speaks. So immediately, Toby's gonna do that sort of younger brother thing of like, hey, 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 yeah. hey, Maskey. Yeah, oh, um, God, don't give them that idea. Hey, Maskey. <laughs> actually, we actually just put a serious spin on hey, Maskey. We, oh my God. All right. Well, that's our job. Run with it, guys. <laughs> that's our job. We put a serious spin on these, like, not serious situations. Mm-hmm. So if you do want a serious spin on hey, Maskey, it's literally... I wake up and that's who I gotta bother because he's the only one that can talk. Exactly. He's so. the only one who's capable of communicating in any way, so why not latch onto him? Meanwhile, Tim's just like, oh my god, please, just go. Leave me alone. I'm trying to die. Just let me die. Tim won't skip rocks in the lake with Toby. <laughs> so we're gonna talk about um, our, our uh, Zalgo. Yes. Because that has a lot to do with the bloodlines and the paranormal things because this this did start out as toby's the paranormal side of the tiki toby story mm-hmm. and we pretty much covered all of that but to continue on with toby's side we have to go into zalgo's side mm-hmm. so pretty much as you can see there is a continuing theme of damsel in distress with toby yep and the reason this is is because toby's the only one that could talk which we talked about um, other than tim but yeah the only one that can leave pretty much so he gets kidnapped. He's been kidnapped so far by um, Laughing Jack. Mm-hmm. And now uh, in the next episode he gets kidnapped again, which we won't talk about. We just know that he does get kidnapped again. Ooh, I wonder by who. Mm. So, uh, and then, you know, he gets all, uh, he, he gets kind of like uh, surveyed by EJ in mm-hmm. episode two, which, yeah, I'll give that out. That That was not supposed to be a funny thing at all. It just kind of comes off as funny because you're looking at it as like, oh, Toby's being Toby. That's horrifying. Yeah. EJ's a scout for Zalgo and was scouting out Toby. Yeah. Pretty much all of them are, actually. So, uh, minus... It's not just an accident that Toby keeps running into these guys. Yeah, so we will tell you it's... uh, We'll tell you that EJ, LJ, um, the Bloody Painter, and Puppeteer, and that's it, all work for Zalgo. Oh, and Ben. And Ben. But we won't tell you about the trio. We won't tell you about um, Clocky or um, any of the others. Uh, Jason, we have down. Right. Or Hobo Heart. We're not going to tell you about their alliances any any at all. You'll find that out later. They are coming up. Yeah. But we've got more planned with them, and you just have to wait and see. Lots of fun. So uh, we can talk about. Uh, do you want to talk about LJ? Because Darren is our LJ. We can talk about LJ. Um, like we just said, uh, Laughing Jack is working for Zalgo in this particular story it's not entirely clear why because laughing jack's motivations overall just stem from i want to have fun that's his entire game is just everything is a game to him and he wants to enjoy himself he's a super powered toddler um uh, which we put in the script for the next episode where he it's like He's like, I tried everything to get that kid to talk. I tried everything. You don't understand. I mean everything. Literally everything. That kid, like he, I guess he might have not known. Uh, yeah, he did know. He's like, I know you can't feel pain because he said that. Literally three. the end of the episode of three. Um, when he kidnaps Toby to interrogate him. That's what he's doing when he says, can I take you apart and put you back together again? He's going to interrogate Toby for Zalgo. Right. So other than... Um, Obviously, Zalgo providing him with the opportunity to play with more interesting toys. It's not entirely clear why Laughing Jacks decided to side with him. Um, we're going to investigate in that, like more of that in the future. Um, but overall, Laughing Jack is very self-motivated. He, he does nothing that he doesn't want to do. So 
we'll see how well he reacts to certain situations with Zalgo in yeah, the next episode. It's going to be very fun, because, yeah, the, those two, Ben is going to be in the episode again. Mm-hmm. Um, which is going to be fun to see Ben actually do what he does. Yeah. Um, so, we have these guys now. Now we have Bloody Painter and the Puppeteer come in. Mm-hmm. Um, which pretty much, like, I've talked about it. They're going to come in and they're going to have a big fight with the proxies. We, um... Whereas, like, we had ju- it had just snowed, so and we were fighting so much and falling, our, our danger was, please don't land on a rock or a stick. Please mm-hmm. don't trip over a rock or a stick. Mm-hmm. Please get out of these woods. And I had to change from Toby to Bloody Painter mm-hmm. at one point, so I was half naked in the woods, and it was freezing. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Although, I loved how we filmed that scene that had to be Toby in, because I've wanted to do that forever, and I talked to Bloody uh, Bleeding Heartworks, who, had, who made painter or mm-hmm. uh, sorry who made a uh, puppeteer yeah and they know my favorite artwork is the one with him and toby and i'm like we're gonna tr- not recreate it but we're gonna try and emulate this as best we can mm-hmm. so i was like yes i'm gonna it's, it's it's made me so happy uh so we got that part of the choreography in there but everything else was just like screw it fight and i'm pretty <laughs> sure just do it billy is probably the one that looks the most like he's fighting <laughs> at one point i thought i actually stabbed jess oh my god because i fight with um the um what do you call them? The painter things that Mary has in, uh, was it Io or whatever? For reference, whenever we film fighting, we're not that safe. We don't, we choreograph them like the day of. Yeah. And someone usually ends up getting hurt, i.e. the, the habit tournament. Oh my god, wait, who got hurt during the habit tournament? You what? punched me in the skull. <laughs> oh god, I punched you in the skull and then I, my back got messed up for like yeah. three days. Because I got slammed up against the tree by accident. We've roughed each other up something wonderful. So, like, because we can't really go any more into details with the Zalgo stuff. Do you want to talk about the Habit Tournament at all? We can. Okay. Uh, which one? Because um, we've done two. About a year ago in October. Yeah, it was yeah. a year since October. Darren and me entered into a fan tournament for uh, Habit, who is the villain of Everyman Hybrid. And uh, it was an interesting roleplay experience. We learned a lot, honestly, yeah. uh, particularly when it comes to improv. That was a lot of fun. Darren and me got into got to do an awesome fight as our characters, Ghost and Reaper, and this was before Overwatch. This Yes, this was before Overwatch. I had no idea, and it is so weird to play. And, and to be fair, I had not played Call of Duty and did not know anything about Call of Duty before I named my character Ghost, so everyone can back off. Yep, and my character Jack Morgan... Also called Reaper. Nothing to do with Overwatch. Nope. They just happen to be edgelords together. Yep. They have, like, it's so funny because when they were like, uh, one of our voice actors for the tournament was like, oh my god, Jack, it's you in a video game. I'm like, what? And they showed me Reaper. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, no, it's my oh, character. Oh, no. Literally. All of, yeah. Oh, oh, god. But yeah, our OCs, which um, I've talked about a lot on Tumblr and uh, I get asked about a lot. But, um, so we were in this tournament, and we did a fight. It's where I, I accidentally punched Darren in the face. Yep. In the skull. Uh, but it was really cool, because Darren's uh, bloody makeup in that video was really cool. And I posted it quite a lot on my Tumblr, but, like, look that, at this fight, it's amazing. That was a fun day of makeup progression, too. Because literally, hours. nine hours of fighting. We choreographed it that morning, um, filmed it in the evening in our friend's basement, and after every hit that was landed on my face, we would stop filming, I'd put more makeup on, and then we'd keep going. So that took forever. It was, it was a fun, and like by the end of it, we were both just like, uh, 
was we were exhausted. On the couch was like, it's not happening anymore. We're done. We're just going to end it here. <laughs> just time to die. Have it made me do it. Um, so that was fun. And we did, um, we did other little things here and there. But we ha- I had to cut my time short, unfortunately, with it. And then we went and uh, ended up finding the time to do our own. Or we tried to. Yeah. Um, it Again, time ended up being a thing for everyone who was helping was, run the tournament. Because yeah. um, college started and things like that. Exactly. We started, we started at, me. honestly, a very bad time for everybody who was involved with behind the scenes. People were starting school. There were people who had jobs that they were just starting. Yeah. Jack was starting training for the Marines. Um, I had just started a new job, um, and I was playing Habit along with, like, two other people, and it was just not something that we could keep going um, with the amount of time we had. However, what came out of it was amazing. Yeah, like, no, Darren we... Darren and I have talked about writing a novel on it. We've had, we had a, a really cool story. Everyone that worked on it was so great in terms of fleshing out all the different yeah. characters and the plot. Um uh, it really was something that I'd love to do more with. Yeah. Well, the good thing is, um, I get asked, like, at least once a day about the characters. And I go on, I try to, I, I keep wanting to do a wiki page on it. Just to have, like, one place instead of being like, go here for this, go here for this, go here for right. this. But yeah, Hellhounds is slowly becoming its own thing. And because it strayed so far away from the Habit tournaments, like, we did change Habit around, obviously. So it wasn't oh, Habit yeah. anymore. It's a totally different character now. And it's... It became its own thing. Yeah. And we went into, like, the backstory of it and how he's connected to Reaper and how it's connected to the organization and ghosts, like, connection. So if you like Eldritch monsters and demons and... I, we had vampires, fairies, extraterrestrials. It's like, literally, um, if anybody's ever seen or read the Hellboy comics or X-Files, or seen the Men fourth season of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, yeah, Men it's, in Black. it's every, like, you know, those organizations that deal with supernatural shit, it was our version yeah. of that. And we were like, well, we could just do supernatural. Let's do everything. Just do all of it. So we have different, like... We have different segments that mm-hmm. hand, uh, different sections of the organization that handle uh, different parts. So, like, we had Green Squad, which handles extraterrestrials. We had my favorite Orange, Orange Squad. was the fairies. Orange was the fairies. Beware David Bowie. So we have, I made up oh, posters. Oh, no, too soon. I made up posters everywhere uh, that said, uh, number one, uh, number one undesirable. And it was, yeah, the, it was David, David Bowie. Bowie, which too soon. But oh, Yeah. And that was after he died, too. No, it was still he was still alive when we were doing I the tournament. I thought he died in January last year. No. Oh, no? Okay. So, yeah, it was number one undesirable. He was, he was still alive when we were doing okay. the tournament, so now we kind of have to be sad and be like, oh, well. Yeah. Um, he's he's now, we have to take down the number one undesirable on our and just put these beautifully framed, like, things of the, the Goblin The King. entire Orange Squad just has framed pictures of David yeah. Bowie. He passed it on to the kid. Um, so, yeah, that's what Orange Squad did. Yellow Squad was ghosts. Yep. So, and every squad has their own R and D department as well, and uh, and Red Squad was us. everything horrifying. Yeah, Red Squad was everything to do with everything, but it, uh, other it was than mainly Green squad. it was like the higher tier level of monsters, like the upper level demons, Eldritch, that kind Vampire, of stuff, like like alpha vampires, alpha werewolves. It was the things that like. If Orange, if Orange Squad did have to go after Bowie, or did have to go after King Jareth, it it wouldn't be... I love that King Jareth is canon. Yeah. <laughs> we have canon and everything, because it's a fun, like, role-playing thing. So, if Orange Squad had to go after King Jareth, they actually wouldn't. They would have to contact the Red Squad. The Red Squad right. would have to either assist them or go in on their own. Um, and then, like, Green Squad is... 
The thing about Green Squad is it's super mysterious. Nobody knows anything about Green Squad. You don't go into Green, Green Squad. Squad. You don't touch Green Squad. You go no near. The first Green rule Squad. of Green Squad: you don't talk about Green Squad. Because it's extraterrestrials, and so it's highly experimental. Um, and they have they have a lot of um, technology that they've got spirited yeah. away in there. There's a lot of things. It's it's Roswell it's, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Just don't don't nobody goes through. No one has clearance for it unless you're in Green Squad. It's super secretive. It's barely even part of the organization. Like you have to get special clearance to go in there. Not even Red Squad, who has the highest clearance, can go near uh, Green mm-hmm. Squad. So uh, that's uh, Hellhounds, and it's awesome because there's so much corruption. There's so many layers of corruption. Because my favorite thing to do when I write is have twists on twists on twists on twists. You're oh, you're gonna be twisting around 360 degrees. Before There's you too get many the Shyamalans. Yeah, I am. I have to be like Shyamalan on top of Shyamalan because I, I just need more twists. You're, you're the Shyamalizer. I'm the Shyamalizer. All right. Um. So I need so yeah, many. Yeah. And this this was something that we spent so much time we're writing almost a for, year. and we're still writing it. And how many pages do we have now? And what we have written so far? Over like 80? over hundred. We have over eighty. And then when I started decompartmentalizing it, I have about six or seven now. As mm-hmm. I started writing, because I started writing um my favorite scene, which was the deal scene, mm-hmm. and I started working on that. And then we have uh ghost whole book. Yeah. We have the Ghost Files, which is all of Ghost Story after the fall of the Hellhounds and where it happens to him, which yeah. uh, you gotta work on. And then we have uh, Green Squad, the Green Squad Files, which we have to create a whole bunch of stuff And, for like, that. At, the, at the base of our, at, of the whole story was we wanted to see what would happen if you had, you know, demons in the biblical sense versus eldritch yep because yes demons are mentioned in the whole lovecraft lore and everything like that but they're a very different version to what the christian biblical version is um so we wanted to see like what would happen if you put those two against each other and made them fight for dominance over this dimension and we still have a lot of work to do on this thing because like it it is very like the demons are uh based on the christian pantheon of the uh false hierarchy of hell which i believe is what it is so we have to look more into like the norse gods the grecian gods and mm-hmm. everything so we have a lot of work still to do because we it's, don't want to make the supernatural no it's a big project of being like the christian pantheon is the only pantheon and angels can one-shot gods yeah we're not mm, we're not fight me supernatural we're not doing that um so we're either gonna have it that the gods like peaced out mm-hmm. or we're gonna have it that it's like my hallway because when i yeah. i believe like when you die it's like it's a hot like the afterlife is a hotel, and either you go to the basement if you're bad, or you go to your room if you're. The good. minute you said uh, you, the minute you said hotel, I was like the Shining Hotel. I thought of like AHS Hotel and Lady Gaga's there as a vampire and adopts Which, me. By the way, we are we do have it within our power to go to that hotel, and we totally should. Oh, absolutely! Like someday that should be life goal. Uh, but yeah, filming goal. So fact. like, if you're like a Buddhist monk, like it's like, oh, here's your room in the Buddhist monk section. Like that's how I believe the afterlife is. Yeah. Um. So I want to take those morals and put them in here because I don't want to exclude anyone. No, and that's the thing. There, I don't believe in the idea of making one religion more powerful than the other. Absolutely not. like, they, they all exist yeah. on the same level to me. And even, like, the Christian pantheon, like, I think we just talked about it, it was, like, the demons aren't necessarily part of the Christian pantheon. The only reason they are is because those those are the philosophers and the people that were susceptible to seeing those right. types of Those were of the creatures. most relevant creatures to yeah. the people who wrote the books of that religion. Yeah, so when, like, so hell is its own dimension. Right. It's its own place but the reason that it's part of the christian pantheon not other is because the christian theorists Mm -hmm. and the philosophers of the christian uh faith 
were susceptible to those types. Right. And Whereas, you, like, a Norse god up in, like, the Nordic countries, they got to see Loki and, you, and things like you that. You can even argue sort of, like, the multiverse theory yes. in which, like, all these different gods exist in their own dimension. And particularly, even within the Lovecraft lore, um, they have two separate uh, pantheons because they have the ancient ones, which are, like, Cthulhu, Kaiega, all those fun ones that dwell in their own dimension. And then they have the outer gods, which are basically aliens. Awesome. So... <laughs> So, like, it's interesting because, like, we can almost argue that, like, based on Earth, like, if you take Earth and it's just, like, where's my pen? If you take Earth and it's, like, well, uh, it, you know, based on the geographical setting, like, these guys uh, over here in Asia can only see, like, uh, a- the Asian countries can only see, like, the Asian, those Asian monsters or those Asian gods. The people in the Nordics can only see, like, those Nordic gods because of, mm-hmm. like, the geographical pull of energy or anything like that. Yeah, exactly. Well, so, and like, even, like... Europe only saw Christian Even, like, or, Asian gods, yeah. that's separated via countries as exactly. well. So... So that, like, you know, based on, like, where a per- like where a certain country is geographically... Those, those are, like, what dimension pulls. they have that yeah. connection to. So, so it makes sense that, you know, that's what their religion is because that's the dimension that they're the closest to. Exactly. So, like, it just so happens that the Christian pantheons and the Christian theorists and all that saw hell and saw the ethereal planes mm-hmm. because that's what they were close to so they saw this light and dark plane because every religion has a light well, and then they spread everywhere yep and they were dicks yep um so that's that's kind of like our baby so if you guys like a lot of you come to me on tumblr and talk about um habit and reaper and stuff so please keep coming and talking about the hellhounds because i love yeah, discussing and if, it if you have any questions about the eldritch side of it or just want to know about like the hierarchy of it um you can come ask me stuff on Tumblr. I'm always willing to answer questions. I know that I'm a little slow to answer things sometimes because I work mostly from mobile <laughs> and mobile can be a dick sometimes and doesn't always tell me when I get asked. So I promise I do answer questions. Um, I just don't always see them immediately. But if you have questions about like that side of it or some of the workings of like the different pantheons and shit like that, then please... Send me your questions. I'm happy to answer things. We'll have uh, Spectre General's Tumblr in the comments or the... The description below, and um, keep bothering him until he answers. <laughs> Tag him in things. Please message him. Spam me with things because I don't see it all the time, and it's very very irritating that I have to work from mobile most of the time. But I work a lot, so that's what he, I have uh, to do. He he does a lot with the Eldrix, which it, which is great because I know nothing about them, and I do most of the stuff with demons. They're my noodle babies. So. Um, that's the Hellhounds. I guess we'll have another episode uh, going into Hellhounds if you guys want to hear more about our OCs. Yep. And we've been working very hard on them for about a year now, and it's Almost a lot two of years. Fun. Two years, technically, if you mm. count what the work that we did in the original Habit tournament. Oh my so. god, it has been about two years. Yep. So yeah, so I can go on and on about the uh, the false hierarchy of hell because <laughs> I've been working on those since I was in yep. elementary school. Yep. And the Eldritch stuff that's been my baby since I was in middle school. Um, I've had a comic that I've been working on based around that. Like, most of my shit is based around Eldridge. So Jack and I just kind of, like, met in the middle and went, what if? So, it's funny because when I met Darren, like, Darren's whole story of, like, the Eldridge mirrors very much mine with the demons because I've been really into uh, the hierarchy, the false hierarchy of hell as well as the Four Horsemen and uh, Revelation since I was in elementary school. Like, I have my list of hell that I've put on Tumblr before of all the movies involving that I'm just, like... These have been my everything since elementary school. Come talk to me about hell and the devil and demons. And then Darren comes and we meet each other and they're like, come talk to me about my space noodles. <laughs> and we've both been just like, this is awesome. How do you feel about pasta? Yeah, pretty much. And like Darren has a comic. I have been working on a story for since I was a kid. 
uh, with demons and stuff. So it this is kind of where it's gone. Yeah, is... it's it's been the the meeting in the middle of both stories, basically. That's all fine and dandy, just as long as you don't talk about the hierarchy of angels, which does not exist. That's that's phase territory. That is the territory. I, for a minute, I didn't know if that was Good Golly Gary or if it was um, clear. Uh, was it uh, Cecil. Cecil? Yeah, which. Welcome to Night Vale, um, which we're all big fans of. Um, however, if you do want to know about the hierarchy of angels, talk to Avarice Faust. Yeah, Avarice is our angel expert and knows so much about angels that every time I have to deal and with demons, I go, wait a minute, Faye, I need your help. And they're actually working very closely with me on a series that uh, we're about to put out on the Six Seams channel to do with Laughing Jack and his origins, because if anyone remembers the origin story... There's stuff to do with angels, so keep an ear out. Which is a good point for that to come out, too, because Snuffbomb was just like, I'll be back! And as much as he was like, Laughing Jack will be back, he went, not with the creepypasta fandom. So kind of like, Darren, keep doing, keep developing Laughing Jack, because We're... Snuffbomb has kind of went, I want to come back, but he's doing the thing that Delucat did with mm-hmm. Bloody Painter, because mm-hmm. Delucat came back last spring and went, yeah, Bloody Painter's just gonna be his own character. Like, he's got his character with the creepypastas, and I'm gonna keep that. Mm-hmm. But I kind of want Helen to develop, Helen Otis to develop as well as, like, her, his, uh, their manga character. Mm-hmm. Because actually, it works really well for a manga, too, if you take it on right. the plug and stuff. So, right. Laughing Jack, like, I think he's, I hope he's going to, like, be like, hey, keep doing creepypasta things if you I, want, but I'm going to take him and do this stuff. Yeah, I hope so too. And I 100%, you know, respect Snuffbomb and his work. Um, I'm really excited for him to come back and see what he's going to be doing with the character. I hope he enjoys what we decide to do with the character, because this is something I've wanted to do for a very long time. Yeah. So, let's see how it goes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, pretty much. Um, so, if you guys have any questions or anything like that, um, everything is in the description below. All of our tumblers for everybody all of uh, the Facebooks and everything like that, and the Twitter. Yep, the Twitters are going to be down there as well. you have anything else to say in our closing statements? Um, thank you guys for listening. I hope you've enjoyed everything and that we've shed some light on all this crazy stuff <laughs> we've been filming for you guys in the past two years. Uh, so Team Rammies and Six Teams will be at No Such Con at Vassar College in Poughkeepsie, New York, February 17th to the 19th. We have a booth. We are running panels, and we are hosting the Masquerade. Uh, we are also doing Hudson Valley Comic Con in Poughkeepsie, New York. Uh, that's May 6th and 7th. It is during Free Comic Book Day, but uh, come hang out with us. We have a booth. I'm unsure about the panels, but we, again, are hosting the Masquerade. A uh, bunch of us are going to Anime Next. Um, mm-hmm. You guys are going to Anime Next. We're definitely going to Anime Next. So, um, teamers, we're still trying to get to Anime Next. We're trying to figure that out. That is in Atlantic City, New Jersey, June 9th, 10th, and 11th. Team Remy's going to be at Kineticon. Uh, Six teams might be at Kineticon, yeah. depending on situations. We Yeah, we have having fun with the hotel things. Yep. Um, so we'll probably, most likely, we'll be at Kineticon, uh, that's in Hartford, Connecticut, July 6th, uh, 6th to the 9th, and thank God we're going to ColossalCon again! Yep, finally! Because we went to ColossalCon two years ago, it was super fun, it was in Ohio. Literally best con ever. Yeah. Like, so much fun. There is an indoor water park, and it is super fun, yep. and we were like, we want to go back, but it's an eight-hour trip to Ohio. So if you want to do bathing suit costume yeah. hangout time. So we, um, thank God, ColossalCon 
East just opened up at uh, Poconos and at the Kalahari just opened up at the Poconos yep. in Pennsylvania. So we, uh, six teams and Team Rammies will be at Colossal Con East in the Poconos, Pennsylvania. That's September 8th to the 10th. And we are going to be in bathing suits and cosplaying and good fun. Uh, there's no information on their website yet if we can join for panels or special guests or anything like that. So far, the only special guest things we're doing is No Such Con, Hudson Valley Comic Con, and we're still waiting to hear back about Kineticon. Uh, so those are the conventions we're coming at. Um, and yeah, that is it. Yeah. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.